Come Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, open our hearts to know what you're saying and give us courage that we would follow you. Amen. So new year, new beginnings, right? That's why we're burning Christmas trees at the Epiphany Party to celebrate the end of one year, the beginning of a, of a new. It's all, all about new beginnings. Um, so New Year's resolutions you just shared, did, did you make any? Uh, a couple of, we're two weeks in now, so maybe some of us feeling a little bit sheepish. Want to share any? Anyone want to heckle, call out? There you go, have that. Thanks. Anyone feeling smug? Go on, give us one, just one. I'll take one. Not a very resolved resolved group, it turns out. (laughs) Any goals? Hopes? Maybe you're against the whole endeavour. Maybe you're like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the resolutions thing. That's not me. Well, I do like to make a few plans and goals. I'm one of those people that does really reflect on the year ahead, try and put aside some time, um, think about what I want to do for the year. But I've been wondering for a while whether it's actually a pretty dumb thing to do. And a conversation with a friend last night suddenly clarified all my thinking. We live in the Northern Hemisphere. I've just figured it out. This is a terrible time to make plans. Back in the day, what they used to do, this is true. This is just something I remembered from history. They would sew their clothes into their skin in the medieval time. Seriously, because they weren't planning to wash for like six months. And it was a way to not get infection. They would literally decide which animals do we have food left to like feed and the rest just kill them all, have a big feast. That's where Halloween came from, interesting fact. And then basically just face the winter and be like, we've just got to get through this. This is going to be awful. We're in the Northern Hemisphere. It's time to just get, get through this. Or, or now the equivalent is kind of let's get comfortable. Duvets and Netflix and everything like that. This is a terrible time to make plans. This is an awful time to make decisions and try and change your life. Try and just do anything is hard right now. But I kind of like it though. <laughs> I kind of like the challenge. I can't help. But in that thing, come on, this is the time. The whole world is changing, literally changing year. Well, not the whole world, but most of the world sees this as the beginning of, of the new year. This is time to do it. So where does that leave us exactly? <laughs> and what, where is the sermon going? You might, might be asking right now. Well, look, let me have an attempt to kind of put you in three categories. You may resist categorization, but perhaps, perhaps you'll let me uh, do this and, and you'll agree. You probably fit, therefore, into one of these three categories. Trying hard to make life better. That's kind of like me. I set hard things, hard goals in, in January. Uh, maybe you're sensible and you've already adopted the, the, new, the new way of doing things and you're waiting till the spring. You're thinking, right, this is the time just to enjoy the books I already like, see the people that are already my close friends, do the things that I know give me life, just, just do good things that I know are good, and then wait till spring. Or maybe you are just trying to get through. <laughs> That's your hope. There was a second there, David. Did you notice that after the one, the second? The second. There we go. And then the third. There we are, number three. Then the third, just trying to get through. Literally just thinking, how can I get through? This is hard enough. I just can't deal with it. I'm just trying to get through. 
Maybe you'll make some changes later on in the year, maybe. But actually, right now, this is just hard. Life is hard. Well, regardless, regardless of how you've come into this year, regardless of whether you fit into one or none of those categories, there's something that I think will make a big difference for us, particularly as we follow Jesus. Do you have a vision for your year? What, what do I mean by that? I mean, do you have a picture of how it might be different? Do you have a picture of what this time next year might feel like that's preferred to where you are right now? Do you believe that your life could get better? Do you believe that good things could happen around you? And this is why it makes a big difference. So maybe you're in the first category there, trying hard just to make life better. Well, you need a vision. You need a picture of God. Because where are you putting all that effort? What, what are you doing? <laughs> For what purpose? Maybe it's 6 a.m. to the gym. Maybe you've entered the marathon. Maybe you're having the driest January ever. But why? What's the point of all your effort? What's it leading towards? What's the vision you have for, for trying really hard? And are you drenched in a vision that actually isn't just about earning your place at the table, but is expressing your relationship with God? Is all your effort flowing from the grace and the love of God? Do you have a vision of trying hard for the purpose of God's purposes? And maybe you're waiting until spring. Well, you need a vision. You need to know where, oh, this is the perfect time, therefore. Okay, you're going to go again in the spring. You're thinking, now's not the time, but there, it's coming down. Uh, but, but what's the vision? What's the picture at the end of the year? This is the perfect time right now to ask questions, to hunker down in your duvet, not with Netflix, but with your Bible, with your journal, and start to dream and to think. Or maybe you're, you're in the third category. You're just trying to get through. You know, life is legitimately hard. We had a really hard Christmas. You know, many of us, and I know a lot of the situations in this room, some of us are facing genuinely hard stuff. And it's like, I don't need to be making plans right now. Well, a vision will disrupt where you are with hope. If you're in the third category, you need a disruption of hope. You need a picture that life doesn't have to be how it is right now. So, how do we get a vision for our year? I'm going to say something sublimely simple, and it's very unimpressive, but I think it's true. You ready? It's about what you see. <laughs> Vision is about what you see, and the eye is utterly, utterly amazing. Have you ever thought about the eye? I found out that your eye is the same size all your life. So my daughter, I was looking at it, it's like she has an eye the same size that it will be for the rest of her life. Isn't that strange? But there's even more interesting things about the eye. You can see, actually, beyond all the, the wall charts and the panatone things, you can actually see 10 million colours. You have over a million nerve receptors in your eye. Your eye focuses on 50 objects in a second. Eyes can detect a candle flame 1.7 miles away. And just the average person blinks 12 times a day. I bet you blink then when I said blink as well. No, 12 times a day? 12 times, what is it? A minute. A minute. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Our eyes are incredible. You see what you see is around the world. It's an amazing part of being alive, what you see with your eyes. But there's something unique just to humans. Imagination. We can see what isn't there physically. We can remember and we can hope. Humans can create futures. Now, some people say the key to life is living in the moment. Rabbits do that. <laughs> Humans are unique in our ability to imagine 
and to dream. It's the unique gift of humanity, and it's God-given. In Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We have this gift given from God of faith in what we hope for, what isn't yet, and assurance and certainty in what we do not see. And you think about the amazing people that make impacts in the world around us, maybe your favourite artist or entrepreneur. My friend Jenny, uh, long before these kind of ideas were popular and trendy, looked at all the waste fruit and veg and started a company uh, making chutneys and uh, you might, rubies in the rubble, the, 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 the ketchups and all those things. You realise ketchup's a great idea because how much chutney do you really buy? Like one a year? Ketchup, you know, glug glug. So she takes recycled vegetables, vegetables that we've thrown away and uses them to make chutneys. You can buy it in Tesco, Waitrose, places like that. What an amazing idea. She saw something that wasn't yet and did it. Lulu, my wife, just left with her daughter as an artist. And when she w- we were in Cadiz and she was doing a project all over Cadiz in southern Spain, she re- found out that the English had invaded seven times, three times destroyed Cadiz totally. And she wanted her art to embody a different gesture than bullets and bombs. And she saw the tallest block. There was one tall tower block and we lived at the top of it. And she imagined it with flights, looking into the history of Cadiz. Flights, kites. She imagined it with kites. And looking into the history of Cadiz, looked at how that was a story that the people, Cadiz had always made kites and flown them, but it had kind of grown out of, of habit. And she saw Tarablock and imagined every balcony flying a kite. And then over the next few months, I was her assistant. I was a very bad artist's assistant. We made kites with our neighbours. And then one day, for one day only, flew kites from an entire massive tower block. And we watched all the people on the street just stop and look and ask, wow, that's different from bombs and bullets. I love the story of Arthur Guinness. He walked down, this is Guinness, you know, Guinness, Guinness. He walked down Dublin High Street towards the cathedral. And there were people gathered around. And as he, he grew close to this group, he saw that there was pain and there was something terrible that had happened, the way people were standing. And as he got close, he saw that there was a mother and child and they'd frozen to death in the night because the mother had drunk so much gin she didn't even know. And he went to the cathedral with a conviction. There must be something we can do. That cannot be right. Now, at the time, gin was genuinely a pandemic because the conditions of the Industrial Revolution were almost unimaginable. And gin was literally ruining people's lives. And he got to Dublin Cathedral, knelt down, and said, like, there must be something we can do. And he, he actually invented Guinness from that, that day, something that had nutrients in, something that was lower alcohol, and with the hope that he could just keep people alive. I don't know what your favourite entrepreneur is or artist, but people who imagine something that is not yet and then live in a way that it becomes real. But what difference for us as people of faith? What difference for us as people with Jesus, trying to get a vision, trying to exercise our imaginations and our faith for what might be, trying to not be just rabbits living in the present, but to hope and to dream? What difference does Jesus make? Let's remember first with the early church, these verses from one of the early writings of the church in in 1 John 1 begins this letter to the early church. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. 
The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. First, we remember Jesus with eyes of faith. This was the story of, of the early church, a group of people that actually lived with Jesus. That which we have seen, which we have touched, which we have heard. The people that hung around Jesus, a real human life, not a force, not a concept, but a person. That guy, amazing things happened. He died and rose again. That which we heard, we saw, we touched, we passed it on to you, and that's been passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on and passed. On and passed. and that, that gossip being aspect of the church is the reason why we're here. The rumour of God has been passed on to us. And we remember that with faith. What we believe about his first coming, who Jesus was, God's son, humanity, but also divinity, God emptying himself in, in human life to save us, to rescue us. And then we also um, um, remember, not remember, we also imagine with faith Jesus' second coming. That's what we sort of spent time doing in Advent, thinking about his first and his second coming. And this is an account as, as the, 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 the church prayed and looked forward to the day when Jesus will return again. This is an account of the end of it all in the book of Revelation, if we have that on the screen. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Now this is a picture of what's at the end. We have the rumor of Jesus' first coming passed down through the church of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we have the hope of his second coming when the world will be renewed and there will be none of the bad bits, the edited highlights, but a thousand a thousand, all the best recreated and renewed in God's perfect image. No more sadness or sickness, no pain or suffering. And this is the geography for which... We as people following Jesus plot our vision. Inspired and energised by the faith that we receive in the church of who Jesus has shown himself to be and longing and dreaming for a renewed earth that we are promised because Jesus will return and make things all, all things new. This is the geography in which we plot our course. This is the shape of Christianity. You're dreaming, but not alone, just with your own ideas and your, your own entrepreneurial, artistic brilliance. You're dreaming with the Holy Spirit who takes normal people like you and I, filled us with faith of who Jesus is, his love for you, his purpose for your life, that you're not an accident, but you were chosen. And then gives you dreams of what he will do ultimately, what the world will look like without all the bad bits. And then through his spirit, 
breaks into your life and through your life that a little bit of what we are hoping for the end might happen amongst us now. Something of the new order of heaven and earth uniting will happen in us. So that's why my, my friend's Chutley Company, it just speaks of something, of the story that we live in, that things that would otherwise be discarded would be redeemed and taken into a new purpose. Lulu's art, the, the picture of the skyscraper, that rather than bombs and bullets, the expression of an English woman in Cadiz in 2000, whenever we were there, would be a, a picture of light gesture of beauty and of community. This is the terrain, this is the geography in which we plot our own personal sense of what our year might be about. And as we as a church try and, we, we, we're working with Jesus and the Spirit of God. So do you have a vision of Jesus? Do you have a vision of hope based on Jesus? That's why I think getting a vision for ourselves begins not with our own gifts. And you might well just have full of questions about all the things I've just said. And I'd love to encourage you to consider what Becky said about Alpha as a space to bring questions. What does it mean to have a vision of Jesus? What does it mean to know that the Spirit of God is working within you? You might be unsure, unconvinced. Alpha's a perfect place with no pressure and no expectation, but to explore questions of, of the Christian faith. But to help us just as we come towards a close, just to land, and as we sort of progress with this idea of how do we get a vision for a year, I want us to borrow the eyes of prophets. The scriptures bring to us the story of these characters, these prophets, and the way they addressed life, the way they tried to do what I've just described, have a vision for their lives, I think will help us. Now, what the prophets effectively did is they looked with their physical eyes, and they saw all the bad bits, destruction and despair. And then they were given by God new eyes and saw beyond the physical and saw rather than destruction, they saw renewal and rather than despair, they saw hope. And so the prophet Isaiah that, that Bonte read from, from Isaiah's prophecy, it, it charts the journey of the failed and sad story of Israel that got so much wrong and Isaiah say, says it as it is, calls out all the bad bits, the stuff that we would see around in our city and say, that's not right, that's unjust, that's not good. And then he looks beyond that to what would it look like if, if God renewed the people. And the passage that, that Bonte read is, is key. And I think in a, a sort of like a, a sort of an intense, like a whiskey shot of of what Isaiah is about. Forget the former things, verse 18. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself they may proclaim my praise. So just two things as we close out. Firstly, forget the former things. Draw a line in the sand. 
Some of us will have things that have happened maybe recently and maybe in the past that God is wanting to say, forget the former things. What do we have to let go of? What are the things in our life that we really need to say, God, I want that to go? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's a relationship to a substance or something that we know that we used to enjoy, but now the enjoyment's gone and it controls us. What do we need to draw a line in? Mentalities and attitudes, the way we view ourselves, the damaging sub-stories in our, in our heads that we would never share, but just as constantly undermining ourselves, the voices that bring us down. Because of Jesus, we can know forgiveness. Because of who Jesus is, you can be forgiven and you can walk in freedom. As we as a community walk together, we are continually wanting to draw lines and say, forget the former things. Forget the time when we were controlled, when we were hemmed in, when we were imprisoned. Do not dwell on the past. You know, in the, in the morning service, every week we pray and ask for God's forgiveness and we make us particular we often I think we do mostly always here at one point or another in the service we try to but there's a particular prayer that we pray and the thing that always gets in my heart and agitates me is that I never want people to ask for forgiveness for the same thing twice and I get paranoid sometimes that people think that's what I'm saying. But the, the way the service works, it would be awful if I gave like annotations. It would be awful if I said, can I just wait a second? Can we just stop? Can I just give you like a, a behind the scenes on this? But it would be, actually be sort of kill the moment. But what I hate the idea of is someone thinking that Christianity is just groveling. Christianity is coming to Jesus and, and thinking that maybe he might forgive me. And if I pray every week, if I go to church for an hour, then I might be, that is nonsense. Christianity is a gift, a gift given by God. Forgiveness is God's that he gives freely to you and to I. The relationship that we have on offer with God is not our own business. All you can do with a gift is receive it. Forget the former things. Let's draw lines together under the experiences and things that have happened to us and things that we have done that we just need to leave behind. And secondly, it says... Do not perceive it. See, I am doing a a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And this is Isaiah's encouragement to us to start to imagine the new thing that God might do. And so imagine it for your own life. Do you have an optimistic view of your life? I, I guarantee God is more optimistic about your life than you are. Do you believe that the things that, 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 that actually control you could change? I spend an awful lot of time with people with addictions as part of my job. One of the questions I ask is, do you want your life to be different? And can you imagine it being different? And the more you get to the heart, and, and, and I know some incredibly honest addicts, and they say, no, they're actually when it comes down to it, I want my life to be different, and I can't imagine it being different. And that, for me, is some of the most privileged and profound conversations I I have, because that's the honest truth often with people caught in addiction, for those of us caught in addiction, is that deep down we've made an agreement, and, and actually, part of us doesn't want to change. And can we imagine it? No. Into those places in our life, I think God would speak newness and life, 
and give the picture of a wilderness and barrenness and dryness and then flood it with the, the image of renewal, the power of his spirit to do things that we can't do in our own strength, streams in the desert, streams in the desert. Do you have a vision of that? Are you optimistic about your life? God can redeem the worst things that have happened. His power is made perfect in our weakness, not in our strength. But of course, it's not just about us. Can you perceive change and bow in this church? Can you see it? Do you have a vision of things? Because do you know what? After COVID, and Andy was preaching powerfully about this last week, a lot of us are just trying to make do, trying to get on, trying to just survive. And, and the courage and the imagination of the entrepreneurs and the artists never feels more precious, but actually harder to find. It says things could actually be different. Things could change. Think of George Lansbury, who was the church warden here, who looked around at the incredible inequality, in the, particularly in the 30s, in this area. He said, something can be done. He gave his life to it. Made a difference in your past. Lansbury this and Lansbury that. Led the Labour Party for a long time, making a profound difference. We've lost some of that. Do you have it for your life? Do you have it for this church? Do you have it for the community, for your career? That your life could be caught up in the renewing purpose of God and you can make a difference. Things could change. Not always. Life is hard. We need one another and not everything works out, but some things do. We need to recapture that. So firstly, forget the former thing. Secondly, perceive it. And lastly, just briefly, it's okay to ask for clarity. Now, in following God, like having a vision for, for the year doesn't mean having a Gantt chart or an Excel or whatever you might, you know, however you do plans, just thousands and thousands of post-it notes on the wall. I would say it's a vision. Sorry, it's vision rather than a vision. Do you have some vision? The way of faith and the way of walking with God isn't spreadsheets and, and arithmetic. But do you have something that you can hold on to? Something you actually, uh, God has given in my heart this for my life, my community, my friends, my work, that this could change. This is an idea. This is some imagination that I have for how things could be different. Do you have vision rather than a vision, a complete kind of impressive keynote slide presentation? Do you have some vision? Because I think God will give it to you if you ask for it. And it's okay to ask for clarity. There's an amazing story in, in the Gospels of Mark chapter 8 where Jesus heals someone partially. And he says, what do you see? They said, well, I sort of see, it looks like trees. Is it people? And you can see he's half healed. And so they pray again and then he's fully healed. Sometimes things come in processes. They come in stages. It's okay to ask for clarity. So just to return to those three, maybe you're just trying to get through. Well, you need the disruption of hope. You need the Spirit to bring a vision working with the faith that we've been given from the church and the hope that we have in the scriptures of the renewed earth. And the disruption of hope. We say you don't have to just get through. You can have a picture of your life caught up in the purposes of God. Maybe you're trying hard just to make things better. Well, you need God's direction, not just your effort. It wouldn't just be about the six-pack that, let's face it, at this point is never coming for me. But it would be about purpose and God's, <laughs> God's purposes in this world. And maybe you're just waiting till spring. Well, this is the perfect time. Hunker down with your Bible and your journal, not with Netflix. This is time to scheme and to plan. 
Because of Jesus, cynicism is not actually the truth. Despair and destruction, that's not the truth. Because of Jesus, the ultimate truth is renewed creation. Hope is, is truthful because of Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Give your life to him. Walk with him. Receive his spirit. And live this year with vision. Something. I'd love to pray for that for each of us. For more vision. New vision. Clarified vision. Renewed vision. Maybe for you, an exercise when you get home is, is just to put something on a post-it note. And maybe you're someone that has thousands of ideas and you need to just commit to one. Maybe you hate actually committing something to paper. Maybe just, you know, post it there or find a beer mat or something. It's about what's vision for this year? It doesn't have to be total. It doesn't have to be a whole life plan. What's one thing that you will be able to return to in a year's time? Make a calendar. And you may not have a 2024 diary yet if you're a print person. But if you're digital calendars, you could put a diary of it in, or, or I don't know, write it on your wall, I don't know. But make an appointment somehow with yourself for a year's time. What do you have vision for? What's the destination that you're going to live towards? Would you stand?